one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi everyone, Sam here with a quick message before this week's episode. My new book is called Sort Your Head Out, Mental Health Without the Bollocks, and it's out on February the 9th. It's available to pre-order now in hardback, Kindle edition, or audio book narrated by me. You can get it at Waterstones or Amazon or any local bookshop. If you'd like a signed, dedicated copy, though, go to my website at samdelaney.co.uk. Your support, as ever, is massively appreciated. On with this week's show. Hello, and welcome to The Reset, a mental health podcast without all the bollocks. I'm Sam Delaney. My guest this week is the journalist and broadcaster Gordon Smart. Gordon started out in local newspapers in Scotland before moving to The Sun in London, where he was deputy editor before becoming editor of The Scottish Sun when he was still in his 30s. Since then, he's become a very familiar voice on the radio, from Radio X to Talk Sport to BBC Five Live. And more recently, he's guest hosted Good Morning Britain on ITV. Gordon's successful career has been fast-paced, at times very exciting, at times a bit chaotic and sometimes overwhelming. I thought we might have a lot in common and when we met in London last week, it turned out I was right. Gordon is a great bloke who's very funny, but very reflective and insightful too. And I really enjoyed meeting him and finding out more about his amazing career. Apologies in advance for the sound on this episode, which, to be honest, is a bit all over the place. You should be able to hear it absolutely fine. It's just that I recorded it in a large echoey room with a mic that turned out to be iffy. Oh, well, never mind. I hope you enjoy the show. Gordon, welcome to The Reset. So that appeared to be... This is a ramshackle fucking operation. It is, I was expecting to come into a glossy, shiny floor studio. Mate, usually you're fucking honoured to even be sat in, in the same room as me. Every other fucking guest I think practically ever has just been on a really bad Zoom connection. So this is as professional as it gets. Yeah, well, the Zoom connection I have in Scotland is like some fucker with a tin can and a bit of string yeah. attached to the back legs of a horse that connects. Yeah, to be fair, you weren't you weren't very supportive of the no. Scottish infrastructure when I suggested doing this over Zoom. Absolutely no option whatsoever. But I should big up our venue actually. We were at the Two North Down, uh, which is like a live studio space in London's King's Cross 
and they've kindly allowed us to record this here today. So it is a bit ramshackle, but Love you know, it. it's nice of them. Makes me feel a wee bit nervous because it looks like one of those work in progress comedy gigs. It is, it? yeah. Which is the most intimate, soul-bearing venue ever. Yeah, yeah, where, people, where you can see the whites in their yes. eyes. But it's just me and you, mate. Yes. And I have to apologise as well because you've probably thought we've been we've we've been having the most um, brilliant and honest heart to heart for a good fucking twenty minutes, during which you thought I was going, nah, don't do that. I think that's unfair. But it would have been good. We missed a lot of stuff. But seeing as we've got so far, we might just dive into yeah. where we were. I mean, we were talking about we've had similar careers in yeah. journalism, yeah. and um, and and broadcasting. And uh, and I suppose that that's an interesting place to start because you were saying now that kind of life, you know, you're a very senior editorial figure at the yeah. Sun for many years, really can take its toll in lots of different ways, right? Yeah, I had to get out. There's no two ways about it. 2016, I finally pulled the plug. And I'll tell you what it happened, actually. Well, there's a number of reasons, and some of it I can't go into because of restricted covenant clauses and all the rest right. of it. But I was on holiday with my family, and it took me a long run-up to, to decide to leave because I was kind of institutionalised. I've worked there since I was 22, 23. And at that point, I was 36. I'd done three years editing the Scottish Sun and nearly a year as deputy editor of the English Sun. So I've been through the independence referendum, followed closely by Brexit. I was living in London, away from my family. I had a wife and two kids in Scotland. And it just got too much for me, Sam, because um, I was on holiday, like I said, I think it was in the October holidays of that 2016, and my wee boy came up to me crying and went, Dad, Dad, a guy in the football strip pushed me in the pool because you work for a bad newspaper. And he was, I think he was six at the time. And I went, which kid? And he went, the guy in the Liverpool strip. And I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. So I ended up having an argument with a fella from Liverpool about this. So it was his kid who pushed his kid, a 14 So you went 14, and spoke to the dad. Kid. Fuck so I got a grip of the lad, he's yeah. a rigid old man. And he went, yeah, fucking. You know. yeah. And I was like, you know what, mate? I was nine when it happened. And what yeah. the paper wrote was fucking despicable. And a lot of the papers were despicable. And if you think for a second that I would in any way vouch or stand by what shite was written about what happened then, yeah. then you've got another thing coming. But what benefit does it serve? a six-year-old Scottish laddie and his dad who was nine when that happened. I can't do anything about it. In my time at the paper, we've apologised four times mm. and I just thought, you know what, I can't apologise for this anymore. And as I, was, I got punched in the face in the pub for working for the Sun one day. Fucking He's out in the whopping. He went, he, I was walking to the toilet and the guy said to me, he said, you're a fucking job from his son, innit? And I went, yeah, I'm here. And he said, we're paying for your fucking junky family's prescriptions, you can't. Fucking barnet formula, mate. We're fucking paying for them all in fucking smack. And I went, well, you don't mind when we're spilling our blood in Afghanistan and Iraq, do you, you fucker? Yeah. Bang. Punches me fucking now. And I was like, you know, it's it's weird. The sun's kind of like Mrs. Brown's boys, right? Nobody admits to buying it or watching it, but there's millions of people who do. Yeah. And for everybody that gives you shite for it, you don't find people coming riding to your defence to say... Right, actually, no, and that's that's very true. Yeah, it's been the, seven years, and you're the same, right? Seven yeah. years since I worked there, six years, and it kind of still feels like us on a daily basis have to say to somebody, I no, I don't rake through bins and I don't hack phones, I mm. promise you, I'm a decent guy. Mm. And it does get a wee bit tiresome, you know, even people that I work with, who I love dearly, will remove any reference to me working there on, on work related stuff because it just causes aggravation and listen it's, it's given me an incredible life same as you have you've done amazing things and you wouldn't have had those experiences if it wasn't for that job you know I earned, earned a good living you know I was so skint when I started working there I can't even begin to tell you how skint I was I was working as a 
fucking janitor and mm. a football coach and playing really shit football in London. Mm. So, you know, when you suddenly find yourself earning good dough working for the biggest tabloid newspaper, you don't question the ethics, do you? Nah. You, you know that you're going to pay the bills at the end of the month. And, um, yeah, it's a weird one because I've tried to kind of reinvent myself working on the radio and it's hard work, man, because it's a taxi rank, isn't it? You need somebody to get off before you get in yeah. on radio or telly. Yeah. And I'm now probably earning less than I've earned in 25 years working harder with a bigger audience. And, yeah. uh, you know, you can't complain because a lot of people are feeling the pressure at the moment, but it is a bit odd when you're on the radio talking about the cost of living crisis and recession, when I'm thinking, fuck, how am I going to keep paying the bills, you know? You're not going to ever get much sympathy for any job you do in the no. media. But also, it's just like, yeah, of course, it's it can it appears to be glamorous. It's definitely a lot of fun, that's for sure. It's not fucking boring like most jobs. But as a result of that, when you go through the natural human emotions that anyone goes through in, in any fucking line of work, you're less likely than the average person to yeah. receive any fucking sympathy for it. So true, and that's the thing. Like, I'm not looking for sympathy because we did a lot of things and I did a lot of things that I regret right? Mm. stories that I wish I hadn't done I hadn't been involved in but I was also in my 20s and plugged in the biggest amplifier and speakers you could do yeah. <laughs> you know and yeah. I think also because of social media which kicked in when I was the showbiz editor 2006, 2007 really you're suddenly really accountable for everything you do yeah. so you know that that is and that's a good thing it's a really good thing but at yeah. the same time like you say I still do quite a lot of media training for people and I always say if Mother Teresa was on Twitter, somebody would be saying she had shit shoes. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, that's a great it's, line. It's yeah. so true, isn't it? People yeah. are just fucking malicious and horrible. But I, I remember my dad, he's a GP, and my, he, my big brother's a dentist. I was a tabloid journalist at the time, and I've got a younger brother. And I remember he kind of flippantly said one day, he said, well, I've got a dentist, a tabloid journalist. I can't wait for my son to finally be jailed for murder. <laughs> so, to complete the trilogy. And it, it was funny, but, you know, my brother... I think it's actually culturally now people are really comfortable being rude. So yeah. you've, I don't know if you've noticed it, but I find myself in company where people say, oh, you're an accountant? That must be really boring. Yeah. And I feel like saying, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah. Because that's not an acceptable thing to say something. Yeah. Especially not with a payoff. I'm just saying. Uh. You know, if... I'm sorry, I'm not buying it. Opinions are really problematic and they're too prevalent. And I'm pretty sure that opinions didn't fucking used to have... I mean, if you look at even... I think, you know, if you look at newspapers or just the media in general, right, the money has dropped out of all of these things, particularly print newspapers, to such a huge degree. So they can't report or Mm. or do as much journalism as they used to. But what's really cheap is opinion, because every fucker's got one. So suddenly... I guess, you know, there might have been, what, 10% at the most of, a, of an issue at The Sun, for instance, yeah. that would have actual direct yeah. opinion. Yeah. I mean, you could argue that the news stories were editorialised, but actual opinion, yeah. some fucker with their picture at the top of a column saying, this is what I think about that. <laughs> that was one small part of most newspapers. Yeah. Yeah. Then, I think because the, the, the arse fell out of it, of yeah. print media, and they can't afford to invest in as much, they just said, fill the fucking pages with everyone. And then social media thinks... This is the best marketing. Not only is it cheap, it's sensational marketing because all we need is a fucker to say something ludicrous and we will be everywhere. And that made opinions so fashionable and it sort of almost trained a generation of people, whether they're in the media or not, looking at that stuff trained a generation of people to think that opinion was currency and you felt duty-bound to fucking have a, a big, controversial, provocative opinion 
on fucking everything. Well, you put your mind back, right? Say 20 years sitting on an editorial floor and a journalist brought you a story about vegan sausage rolls. Mm. I can't imagine you'd get too excited about that, really. <laughs> but because of the nature of opinion journalism and characters like Piers, Piers yeah. Morgan, that became a huge story. Right? Yeah. And then there's this bit of technology called Parsley that uh, I think the Sun still use it actually to measure the most popular stories and what people are really engaging with and talking about digitally mm. and in print, but mainly digitally. And it was always an opinion. It was always mm. somebody has said this about that. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like a traditional exclusive. And actually, you would be horrified by the news agenda. If you followed that insight and segmentation, right? Yeah. And, and delivered a newspaper based on that, yeah. it would be the most obscure shit on the front page ever. It would be like yeah. Dr. Pimple Popper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, really obscure stories about big willies and it's, it's all di- sorts of It's nonsense. disheartening. Did you, just going back to Edison and Holiday, was it specifically that moment now, that where was the, you that thought... was the straw that broke the cam- camel's back. Yeah. Because, you know, there, there had been other incidents, like a guy who worked for me in Scotland had been attacked with acid by gangsters, and the guy went to jail for attempted murder, and the fellow who was attacked was the crime reporter who worked for me, and right. he subsequently wrote a book about it, and he's now a conservative politician in Scotland. Um, but that was horrendous because suddenly you're like, this isn't writing about Beyonce or interviewing mm. Rihanna or mm. you know getting sent to do a caught live of yeah. a band that you love or interview in One Direction. Suddenly, yeah. somebody has been, somebody has tried to kill a member of your staff. Yeah, and there's no gloss you can put on that horrendous nah. situation. And you know, Scotland's a very different place and culturally, I think when it comes to stuff like the media, because you have to be really careful with the old firm, for instance. Mm. You know, you. you, you really tough you know this hard people mm. don't threaten you they, mm. they, they give you a hiding and you know there's some really scary stuff that happened to me with, with gangsters that again don't really feel comfortable going into but it made me think why am I why am I doing this I love my family and my kids and I want a good life Yeah. what's the trade off here and I was deeply deeply unhappy and also because you become the boss you become more isolated and more lonely mm. um, especially I loved being part of a big team of folk. I love the camaraderie of an office yeah. in a newsroom and yeah. having a laugh with folk. And I think we built a really nice culture around the bazaar column with some good people, yeah. which might shock folk who don't read the sun, but I actually had a really nice bunch who yeah. worked in that column who are still de- really good friends with. And then I thought, well, maybe my job in tabloid newspapers is to make things a bit different and we'll try and get rid of that terrifying culture. But then you suddenly realize it's a juggernaut that you can't turn around and when you're the boss, you know, you, you are on your own and you can't be one of the lads. You yeah. can't have a laugh. You can't, you've got to be really careful about who you open up to. And somebody gave me a great bit of advice and said, see, when you're the boss, Gordon, you can't complain about how tough you're finding it because you're getting paid the fucking yeah. proper deal. Yeah. And it was so true. Yeah. And I, I'd commuted quite a distance to Glasgow because I didn't want to be living in Glasgow for all the reasons I mentioned. Mm. And that commute was so destroying, man, sitting on the M8 in the car. And I, listen, I love my music because I'd be listening to Six Music in the morning. Mm. Um, Sean Keaveney and Lauren Laverne and then on the way home I'd listen to the Monday Night Club on Five Live and think that's what I want to be doing Yeah. and I'd go in and you know what it's like when you're in a senior editorial position I reckon 20% of it's journalism 80% of it's HR mm. political manoeuvring yeah. trying, trying to put out fires yeah. solving problems dealing with massive issues that you never it's see all the, it's all the opposites mm. of why you even were interested in being yeah. in a creative job yeah. in the yeah. first place basically yeah. you're doing the opposite of that it's quite like football where I think people get jobs because they're, they were good footballers like Casey yeah. Point Frank Lampard yeah. you know good player he's actually a really articulate dude but yeah. he might 
I can think of six or seven other people that were in his team that would probably be better managers because they weren't the best players. Yeah. And in journalism, you get promoted because you break stories and you're you're good. At, I think I was pretty good at managing people. Yeah. <clears throat> and I was 32 when I was editor of the Scottish Sun, and you know I looked around the back bench of the people I was working with, and they were all guys you know later on in life who thought I was a wee prick from London who didn't know my arse from my elbow. Mm. <clears throat> and actually, you know, with proper openness and having a good mea culpa with you. I had massive flaws and gaps in my ability to be an editor, mm. but that's when you surround yourself with good folk that can do that. Yeah. But I think uh, you know you have to have a certain level of cunt in you to be a good tabloid editor, and I think yeah. my cunt quota was a wee bit too low to really yeah. survive and succeed. There are moments like that in journalism where you just think, "Oh right, I've reached my cunt level," <laughs> like, and, and I can't, I literally can't. Step. Sometimes yeah. you surprise yourself. And think, oh, I didn't realise I was capable of being that much of a cunt, but I am. And you're sort of like, yeah. you find yourself so gaslit by yeah. the industry you're working in. You sort of think, oh, that's quite good. I didn't realise I had that in me. And then another day, you hit a moment, yeah. and you're like, oh, fuck, I just can't do this. Because that's my question for you. At what age did you think you were truly comfortable in your own skin and thought, I'm quite content with this person? Like, certainly in my 40s. Yeah. Like, See, there you go. See, yeah. the, and same as me, I had all those jobs where I was still trying to work out who I was, what I stand for, what my mm. values really are, how to exist in that, where my position was in the world. Mm. And at the same time, and it's not often talked about, I got, I got married really young, right? And mm. man, that was important to me, was having a good, happy home life and being mm. a good dad. And you suddenly realise that the balance is tilted massively in the wrong direction. And um, when that stuff starts to suffer, you really can't concentrate on what's paying the bills. And you know, 2016, my, the equation of my life, you know, if you, I think Matthew McConaughey talks about it, like these 13 pillars of life that support a table and if certain elements of them aren't respected, then the table tilts and everything falls off. Yeah. I think I probably had nine or 10 that were fucked. Yeah. Three strong pillars. Yeah. And anything, I this isn't sustainable. And you know, because you've been through it, the, the levers are your health, your mental health, yeah. your physical health. You know, you, you really do start to deteriorate and uh, you've got to make a big and bold decision. But, you know, doing that, you have to make sure that there's a plan B. You can't mm. just say, fuck it, I've had enough and, and strop out. Mm. And I, found, I actually found the coverage of uh, Jacinda. I was going to bring that up just as you said it. I thought that was really interesting well, to me. Yeah. It was really interesting. Like some, some of the right wing commentary from people I thought would know better were kind of like piling into her mm. and I actually thought fair play to you you know you've, you've, you're a young woman a mum mm. who's trying to hold it together under huge pressure and political circumstances the world hasn't really seen since wartime yeah and if she's had enough she's had enough all power to her for making that decision totally agree I looked at it and I thought this is the power of quitting is something that I think is beautiful yeah. Yeah. the power of just walking away quitting and not necessarily feeling the need to offer an explanation. Yeah. You have your own fucking needs. Yeah. And I thought, there is a woman who's done, to my mind, a good job, but is now just like, that's it, I'm done. There's not a big, I haven't got a scandal to tell you about. Yeah. I haven't, there's nothing big beyond the fact that I've now I've had enough of, of this time, yeah. and I'm gonna go. Yeah. And I've quit jobs before, probably not as calmly as her, probably a lot of the jobs I've quit, I did do in a state of kind of high emotion. But nevertheless, I was doing them because ultimately I realized I was really unhappy. Yeah. And people never can believe it. If you quit a big job, people go, so what happened? And you go, I quit. Yeah. They go, why? And you go, I just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And they go, 
why right. like that yeah. but that's I mean, that's got, the culture we live in you know it's a great point as well and it's again it's, it's always a little bit vulgar to talk about money but the financial decision for me to leave after 15 years it wasn't a simple uh, mm. thank you very much for your time young man mm. you know I was walking away from financial security and the safety and, and well-being of my family for the rest of their days yeah so for me to say to my wife look I need, I need to do this and she was so supportive of it yeah but you know, in lockdown, when I lost my voice, lost my entire income, was probably weeks away from having to sell a house. Wow. You suddenly think, what the fuck did I do that for? Was I just too soft? Did I need to just have a wee bit more mm. resilience in, in a difficult situation and put up with people calling me a prick for working for the sun? Was I just too sensitive? But then you can't, you, you know, you, that's all done, it's in the past. And you can't re- relive those things. And, and I'm a massive believer in just working bloody hard. And if you get your a lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Head down, it should come good. That's true, but all I would say is to that is, I mean... You know, you you I I really feel you when you go. Oh, maybe I should have been tough enough. I should have been tougher. The worst thing that I think a lot of blokes do it comes up all the time on this podcast, and it's certainly true of me. Is you beat yourself. You feel bad. Yeah. You're not having a good time. You're not happy. Yeah. But on top of that, you compound it by sort of hating on yourself for yourself that. Yourself, you're, you're not good. You enough, think right? you are. You, this is pathetic. Look at your job. Right, so in your case, like, look at this fucking job. I'm like, I'm really young, but I, you know, I'm editing the fucking the, one of the biggest newspaper brands in the world. This is, and yet I'm moping about it. I'm like, I'm not happy. I don't feel like I can do it. I'm gonna walk away from money that is putting food on my kids' table, yeah. and then you just hate on yourself, and that's yeah. the that's when it goes from just a bit you're feeling sad yeah. to it being really quite dark. And then when you start judging yourself, yeah. bullying yourself, being mean about yourself. And I think that the liberating thing, going back to old Jacinda in New Zealand, is when you just think, there's only one priority, mm-hmm. and that's me, yeah. and me, my mental health, and me being in a good state, because forget how much money I'm earning, yeah. or anything else, I can't be a really good dad, yeah. or a really good husband, or son, or yeah. mate, or anything, unless I'm really looking after myself. It's so true. It's, so true. it's fascinating thinking about this, because I had this great editor uh, called Carly Cook, who I wrote Vinnie Jones' book, right. his, his autobiography. Well, his biography. Mm. And uh, she used to write in the margin, show, not tell, <clears throat> because right. Vinnie would say, 
I was fucking double hard when I was at Leeds, but I never got fucking booked. Yeah. And she'd write in the margin, well, give us an example. So I'd sit and quiz them and say, well, come on, tell us. Yeah. He's like, well, I nearly broke the, the ball boy's leg one day because I two-footed him on the sideline. I'm like, right, that doesn't make you hard, Vinny. That makes you <laughs> a bullet. <laughs> so we, we go through all that, but it really made me think because if you really add the detail to the story of what happened to us in our careers, mm. you start to understand a wee bit more about it. So to give you an example, I remember sitting on the back bench with a brilliant journalist called Mike Kernan. Mm. And, and Mike was a really talented guy. And it was a really stressful time. And he was an older guy, liked the fag, bad mm. diet, classic West of Scotland mm. kind of character. And he went, at like at 10 o'clock one night, he looked at me and said, can you do CPR? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'd be pretty comfortable if somebody... Yeah. He went, right, great. And I was like, why, Mike? He went, oh, no reason. And anyway, he went and had a heart attack in a car park about nah. an hour and a half later, yeah. He, and his lips had gone blue and he, he ended up having open heart surgery. And I was like, fuck Fucking so, hell. And that's just a small yeah. example, you know. In the two and a half, three years I was in Glasgow, I saw the Clutha helicopter crash. I was one of the witnesses to yeah. that where, you know, nine people died, or I think it was nine. And then shortly after that, the bin lorry tragedy happened literally on the doorstep of the Sun office, so on Queen Street. All right. Uh, bin lorry driver, heart attack at the wheel, killed six people. Yeah. And I was at the pantomime with my son when it happened. One of my mates in the office said, you better, you better get in, something horrific's happened. So I've walked around with my laddie and there were bodies strewn across the street before they'd even put the um, tarpaulins over. Fucking and I thought, yeah. that's quite a big thing to go through. Then you've got the, the drama and the stress and the pressure of the referendum. And then I, I've moved down to London um, and remember Joe Cox, no, her yeah, murder happened. Yeah, and yeah. It was a really toxic time to be involved in the tabloid press. Yeah. And I had a couple of really ferocious people hassling me like, personally, like to, to an extent, it was quite scary. Right. And like you say, the acid attack happened. Yeah. And you know, you add all those things up. If you you know working in any other industry and you explain those leave those those moments, you yeah, know, that, that's quite a lot for a person to deal with. Yeah. And incidentally, like when I left Bazaar, I had two kids under three, I was 30, 31, 32 years old, and I'll never forget the circumstances of me moving back to Scotland. I'd gone on a massive bender with Noel Gallagher, mm. and uh, it was, looking back on it, it was a, it was a proper um, self-destruct moment. Right. Because I'd said to the editor, and by the way, I'd gone through the Leveson inquiry, there were three criminal inquiries where yeah. you know, all of our emails were handed over to the police yeah. and there was an investigation in the standards and practices and ethics of the paper I gave oral evidence all of that yeah. stuff you know a documentary maker made a film about journalism at the sun and yeah. singled me out for abuse and all that kind of stuff he subsequently went to jail by the way for being a, a fraudster so all this shit was going on and um, I, when I left to go back to Scotland I had that massive night out and I woke up lying in my pants in my bedroom in London with an next door neighbour knocking on the window saying are you alright wow. and I looked at my phone I had like 180 missed calls from Rupert's PA and the editor shit. and where the fuck are you you were meant to be in having a really serious conversation and I've turned up leathered Wow. And uh, I remember the boss saying, this isn't acceptable, Gordon. And I said, well, look, I've been saying to you for two years that I'm too old to be doing this job and it was time for me to do a more senior, more sensible thing. Yeah. But for me to get stories against the climate of what people think in the newspaper, the only way I can deliver them is by going out later than everybody else and getting yeah. involved in a world of mischief and getting more shit-faced than everyone and being out last. And incidentally, I had a front, day, front page story from that night out. Right. So I said, look, do you want a front page story for tomorrow that I've got from getting on with Russell Brand and yeah. all that, or don't you? And uh, anyway, I remember getting a dressing down from uh, a member of staff in HR, and I had this outer body moment where I <laughs> realised I was 
pointing at this individual saying a fucking other thing, right? Is it under the rules of HR safe for me to go out and pish five nights a fucking week to deliver for I just saw the tears rolling down the face of the thought. Uh, this is totally inappropriate and unacceptable yeah. and I need a proper look at myself. And like I love football and being fit and being healthy. And I you know, I was drinking lunchtime, dinner, next day, lunchtime, dinner, yeah. next day, Guinness, red bottles of red wine, finishing the night with whiskies. Fucking and everyone and also people love to celebrate the fact that I was this hard drinking, yeah. fast living Scottish madman. Yeah, yeah. And so then, then that you becomes your identity and you identity. don't want to let go of that. Yeah. But then you want to shake it off because you want to be seen as a cerebral, sensible, perfectly yeah. engaged, wise father of children yeah. who actually has a lot more to him than fannying about with rock stars and trying yeah. to get stories, right? So that's quite a big stage is that evolution and development of your life in your thirties. And then suddenly to turn 40, 41 and 42 in lockdown, having an existential crisis about your entire existence, trying to forge a new career and and be successful. And everyone's like, oh, you're doing great. And I'm thinking, fucking hell, I'm really pushing in the wind here. You've got no idea. Yeah. Um, But again, that's why it's nice to speak to somebody like you, because your books basically... Yeah, it covers a lot of... There's a lot of similar territory. And there is that feeling, you're right, where you're... It's like a duck because on the surface people go, oh, you're doing well. Yeah. But under the fucking water, your legs are going yeah. at 100 miles per hour just to stay afloat, yeah. let alone fucking move forward. Yeah. And it can be it can be really, really fucking tough. And yeah. like, my the only, the biggest difference for the, that I've made was I changed my perspective. I thought, you can't, you can't ever fucking change the world. You can't yeah. change the way that the industry we work in is really, you can't, you know, you, you can't change the fact that there'll be wankers on social media yeah, or people yeah. giving you shit. You can only really change your perspective on what yeah. you care about yeah. and what fucking bothers you. What, do you know what, what I mean? get through? I mean, listen, you could get into the nuts and bolts of stuff like NLP and all that, but there are some really sensible messages in there. Like you, you can only really pay attention to the thoughts that you're prepared to pay attention to. Yeah, there's a. I admire people who have the ability to compartmentalise that mm. aspect of their personality because mm. I think there is a lot of nature in this rather than nurture and that I think my mum is a warrior and yeah. I've definitely inherited a bit of that yeah. but then the flip side of that is my dad's got this sort of wild streak in him that is definitely mm. in me that mm. he's suppressed spectacularly well to bring us up yeah. in, in such a, I don't know, a selfless way and I, I really admire my parents for the way they did that and I want to be that guy but yeah. I've done seven years living away from my family and to try and keep it going and sometimes I don't know if you have that those moments where you think fuck it I need to get rid of everything and start again and, mm. and bugger off to America and, and yeah, work yeah. In whiskey. All, all the time you know I, I'm I mean? always like I'm always like right I'm going to Denmark <laughs> and I've never even fucking been to Denmark but I've just had it in my head that yeah, that's yeah. a place where it's quite yeah. chill and everyone's into it we'll sell up I've looked online. Well, but last week it was Portugal. My mate drives my missus around the bench. Yeah. Not this again. Last week it was Portugal. Yeah. Because I noticed loads of people yeah. in in the media. I knew like casually saying, "Oh, I live in Portugal now." Tax, like really it's casually. Tax, it? it's, it's fucking. I said, "What's the tickle?" I know that there's something. There's too many people moving. Yeah, in, and yeah, yeah, it's totally taxed. So of course I'm straight online <laughs> looking at the fucking. Oh, this place outside Lisbon. It's got a pool. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find, I don't know about you, but my uh, my mood's also inextricably linked to the failure or success, mainly failure of my football team. Mm. And um, I'm a Hibs fan, diehard Hibs fan, and much like West Ham, it's either 
Do you listen to Long Bangers? I certainly do. I've been oh, a regular yeah. on it. I love oh, yeah. Love yeah. Them. Great. Funny. I love those lads. Matty. Lads. Matty's a regular on, yeah. on the, uh, yeah, on the reset. Yeah. I fucking love those boys. But, you know, Hibs have been shite. Scotland continue to let me down. And uh, I don't know. And I think that's, again, for most people, the last three years, you could always counterbalance the shite that you had to deal with with mm. a little bit of joy, whether it was a night out, going to the pub, having a carry-on, mm. a wee trip away, doing something like that. And when I suddenly realised when all of that shit was removed, I'm quite bad at beating myself up and giving myself a hard time. Yeah. And and I do lean heavily on certain personalities in my life to say, fuck's sake, go on, stop moaning. Mm. Get a grip of yourself. Look at what you've got. You're healthy. Mm. You know, your, your family are happy. You've got beautiful kids. You don't have any mm. of the arsic a lot of people do. And you have to remind yourself of that. You have to. Yeah. It's really important because... You know, it's like we're of a generation. My mate Martin Geisler, I was talking about, who's a big fan of your podcast, he said ominously to me the other day, We're in the danger zone between 40 and 60. You get ill, you're fucked. And I'm like, Oh, Martin, Christ's sake, oh, man, God. stop it. Yeah, I've got enough on my fucking <laughs> plate. It is, it is, it is. It's just after Hearts had pumped Hibs 3 0, you know. Yeah, um, he, he thought he was about to say, Can you do CPR? <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny, isn't it? You need. I think it's so important to have that human contact and people you can talk to that can like counterbalance. Yeah, I mean, you, I, th- I always think you need a mix because it's like, you know, that kind of think how lucky you are is important sometimes. Mm. But in other times, I think it sort of almost encourages you to feel bad about yourself because yeah. you start to think, oh, you know, this phrase first world problems is what discourages a lot of blokes from ever yeah. like thinking a bit more sympathetically about themselves. And uh, oh yeah, and um, you know, and so sometimes you you know forget all of that. Sometimes it's good. Someone snaps you out of a bit of when you're being a bit navel gazing and it's mm. probably healthy. Sometimes you need to go. Yeah, do you know what? It's like, yeah, times are fucking tough. And yeah, yeah so what if I've got a family and a job yeah. and my health? I still it's still okay yeah. because you're a human being. And actually, all the money or success in the world can't incubate you yeah, yeah, from yeah. being a human being with human feelings where sometimes you just feel shit about yourself or you can't face another That's day so or true. whatever. Yeah. And then you just you, you gotta accept that because if you're if you always bounce back to the old, <laughs> oh well what have I got to be sad about? Look at these other people yeah, who've yeah. got it worse than me, then you're never gonna give yourself any yeah. understanding or care. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's a good point. Have you ever had Owen O'Kane on the podcast? No. He's a really interesting dude. Look him up. He's got two books out, both of them bestsellers. He's from Northern Ireland. He used to be a palliative care nurse. And he's a gay lad from, from Northern mm. Ireland. He said, growing up in the troubles, a gay man, and being a nurse. He said, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's a lovely He's lovely been man. through it. Oh, I love him. And yeah. Again, I'm really interested in a lot of the work that's been done by palliative care doctors because they meet people who are having a really interesting sort of appraisal and understanding of their yeah, lives. Yeah. And it gives you an, a, a, a fantastic viewpoint. It's a doctor, Dr. Elizabeth Ross, and she wrote books about grief and how to handle mm. grief. And they devised this thing called the Kubler-Ross curve, which you can apply to change or grief, right? So the first instinct when something goes wrong or you lose somebody is to be really angry and hit out and be very mm. vengeful and try and blame. And, it, and some people go through the process Mm. quite quickly and acutely other people it can take a lifetime and I, I started looking into it because my wife lost her mum really young 
it's so true you mm. eventually come to a period of acceptance and then you move on and, and you can get on with your life mm. and you know if you apply that to big moments of change in your life it's also really true but it, it was devised and created as a result of seeing people at the end of their life yeah it's fascinating and, and I thought that's that's a really good perspective to take on things yeah because there's a lot of clarity at that yeah, I often point, find myself it? thinking how, how big are these problems really in the context mm. of the, the broader picture of your life um, yeah. we're almost out of time because yeah. um yeah, we wasted too much time not recording whilst <laughs> chatting. Uh, where, where are things for you at the moment? Where where are you at? I know you're you breakfast TV star now, yeah, well, so that's good. Again, I, I, I love doing that, but TV and radio is a taxi rank, isn't it? Somebody's got to get off before yeah. you get on, and I think there are six or seven regular presenters on GMB, mm. of which I'm the, the latest to get on. Mm. But you need somebody to take a holiday or not mm. be well. The same that happened with me with Radio X and my voice. So mm. I'm waiting in the wings, desperate for my chance, champing at the bit to get involved. Mm. Radio 5 Live, same thing. Love doing it. Really enjoyed it. I've done every show pretty much mm. on the network now. and I've got more time booked in on Drive and covering for Tony Livesey and, and those guys. So I'm just waiting in the wings on that. Podcast with Martin Comston from Line of Duty. Yeah, very good. I love him dearly. Love Rest that. Native, yeah. Which again... It's fantastic, but could sink the ship at any point because it's just turned into clickbait headlines. Yeah, 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 yeah. It might. I mean, I was listening to it earlier and I was saying this is really funny. But um, it's like I do another podcast called Top Flight Time Machine, yeah. which I know has affected. Thank God it makes me money because it's effectively ruled out any serious job ever for the rest of my life. It'd just be like there's too much there now on yeah. fucking record that I've said that I can. Ne- my dreams of one day being prime minister are dead in the water. Yeah. But, but, yeah, there were know. three things in the last episode that had to be taken out where we had a sensible ear just listened in and said, Gordon, are you sure that it's sensible in, <laughs> in light of the work that you're doing for the BBC? Exactly, you yeah. Tell that story about what happened. And I'm no, no, it's a great, thank you very much. So the I'm Daily Mail have always got a couple of work experience people with nothing <laughs> yeah. better to do than listen through your podcast. Even now, <laughs> minor monologue saying, don't point them in the direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, so that's all happening. I've, I've got a share of a business called Vinyl Box, which is going great guns. It's a like a vinyl subscription service where you get records curated for you mm. if you're not a massive crate digger. And I should point out, if you still love going to record shops, which I do, keep doing that mm. don't mm. send me messages online saying how dare you do this you're killing record stores no we're not we're encouraging people to it'll get it points yeah. you in, it points you back to them enjoy the ritual yeah. of finding something even more rare off the back of what we get for you so I do that I've, uh, I'm one of the co-founders and ambassadors of Copper Dog Whiskey which is brilliant because it means I can travel and talk about whiskey and have a carry on around the world did nine right. weeks in America in the last year wow uh, extolling the virtues of the water of life which is phenomenal so is Martin involved in that as no, well no he's not no no he's not only because when I'm listening to your podcast I keep hearing about you going to these wonderful places and I didn't I didn't know the connection yeah, you had a business yeah. I was thinking are these just non-stop jollies to no, distilleries no no, no it's, it's an amazing experience and some funny stuff happened on the road like, and I, I know we're pushed with time I'll mm. tell you some great stories but by the way what an incredible experience to go New York Austin, Texas, Houston, Atlanta, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, to Denver, Colorado, Denver, Colorado, to LA, LA to Chicago. And right. So I got to see America properly. Wow. And you really understand the country when you, you see it with your own eyes and, and live in it for that length of time. Yeah. So that's going great guns. And um, yeah, I'm just, I still do a wee bit of helping folk out who are finding themselves in sticky spots with the newspapers and mm. give them a bit of wise counsel in the rear, or maybe not. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, just, I love podcasts, so I'm, I'm yeah. always. I love another subscription that I don't need. Yeah. Anna, our mutual friend said, 
He sometimes has a code for people. <laughs> My payment for today can uh-huh. be a free subscription. <laughs> yeah. I see the capitalism. Oh, of I can't believe she revealed the secret code. It's like the Nando. It's like the, the Nando's black card, card isn't Wait. it? When I got that taken off me, it was the hardest. Moment. I never fucking got one. No. I never got one, and that ultimately is why I walked away from showbiz journalism because <laughs> I thought, well, it's just not worth it. Mate, it was the greatest <laughs> gift ever, and apparently devised by Andy Peters. Really, fucking hell! You, you, anything in the end, if you look deep enough, it all comes back to the brain of Andy Peters. Yeah. Uh, oh, mate, it's a real, real pleasure. Uh, thanks so much. Lovely to meet you at last, and and all the best in future. And we'll keep an eye out for. Uh, you, you over our breakfast porridge, mate. And to finish, can we arrange a night out where I take you out with Frank McAvenny? Fucking hell, yes, I would love that. <laughs> I do have a couple of Frank McAvenny experiences, oh, yes. but that's for another day. Cheers, yeah. <laughs> All right. Cheers. That was Gordon Smart, a big character, a funny guy, but intelligent and sensitive with it. It was a pleasure to get to know him a bit better. Check out his Restless Natives podcast. It's hilarious. Also, remember to order my book, Sort Your Head Out, which is published on February the 9th. And like this podcast, is kind of a non-bollocks guide to mental health. And if you like the reset, then please consider becoming a subscriber at samdelaney.substat.com. You can get bonus pod episodes and regular newsletters from me. Until next time, gang, thanks for listening. Be lucky and don't let the dickheads get you down. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.